What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is Friday, February 4th, 2022. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. I want to welcome everybody into today's show. The weather has been crappy all day. It's raining. There's supposed to be some freezing rain, some maybe hailstorms tomorrow. The weekend is not going to be fun, most likely, uh, just like last weekend with the, when we did get the snow, although hopefully no snow with this. But the roads are going to be very icy, black ice, so be careful. I've got a uh, long day ahead of me tomorrow, so I'm trying to get this thing out. Uh, my brother and his fiance uh, stopped by. We had pizza, so it, it's been a long day as well, and I was hoping to get this show out a few hours earlier, but I'm just jumping into it now. Big slate of NBA games tonight. The Nets are playing, I think, in like two hours, trying to stop a six-game losing skid. Um, it, it's not been friendly, this road trip for the Nets Okay, now LaMarcus Aldridge has been banged up. We're going to start with the Nets um, for sure. We've got we've got to talk about the conference championship games in the NFL. The teams are the, the Super Bowl is now locked. We're, we're going to get into all of this. Um, and I guess no better time than the present, right? Okay. This is episode 159, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that at the uh, open, but episode 159, and I have right here in my notes to talk conference championship games. We're going to pivot, and we're going to talk about the news surrounding the Brooklyn Nets because here's what happens in any sport with a good team. It's happened. It's happening with the Lakers and whatnot. It's happening all of a sudden with the Knicks. Julius Randle today, guess what he did, guys? He unfollowed the Knicks on Instagram. So did Leon Rose call him up and said, trade deadlines next week. We're going to we're gonna trade you in the next couple of days. So then he pouted and decided, I'm going to unfollow uh, the Knicks on social media. Or is he just pouting because they're not posting anything about it? What, I don't know. I can't get into the minds of these, of, of these athletes these days, but... Um, th this is, this is the world we're living in where everything is open and it's out there and it's on social media. So bef without digressing, the, the Nets, right? Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. We all know the situation going into the season with Kyrie and not getting vaccinated, therefore not being allowed to play. The Nets didn't even want him for away games. That changed when Joe Harris got hurt, when they had some other COVID-related issues a while back where they were short with players. They brought Kyrie back. Things were going good. Then, boom, as if this big three is cursed. They have played in 16 games together since acquiring James Harden last year. It, it, it's... It's horrible, um, for lack of a better word. It, it's it's kind of scary. I've always, I, I've still, I've been very uh, positive. Whereas other Nets fans, my my dad included, he doesn't think this is going to work. Um, but he he's not invested in the NBA as much as I am, and in this team as much as I am. Okay, so so now you are dealing with Kevin Durant with the with the MCL sprain. He's out four to six weeks. He's going to rehab. He's not going to play in the All-Star game. Hope to get him back maybe middle or end of, uh, well, we're basically in the beginning of February. So hope to get him back at the end of the month. Now there's talks just the other day. Joe Harris is not healing right on that surgically repaired ankle. He wasn't supposed to be out much longer. And now he's getting a second opinion. He might need a second surgery to fully repair this ankle. 
I don't know what he did just working out and shooting around that he could have re-injured this ankle. Whoever that surgeon was uh, did not do a very good job, is my guess, or it's just not healing right, whatever the case may be. Um, so if he gets a second surgery, don't know how long that would put him out. As long as we get Joe Harris back by the playoffs, we'll be okay there. Uh, but now James Harden, he's a little banged up. He's dealing with some hammy issues, some hand issues. These rumors have been swindling. I don't know when they started. Maybe sometime last month, maybe December. I tuned them out because I'm like, Whoa, these are dumbfounded, uh, just out of left field rumors that James Harden is going to look to leave the Brooklyn Nets in the offseason. And the talks are that he's going to go to the Sixers or that they could trade with the Sixers because obviously the Sixers have the whole situation with Ben Simmons they're dealing with. They're trying to get rid of him. So that's the ideal landing spot. And I guess he has floated the idea that, oh, yeah, I'd like to play, you know, see how things go. I'd like to play with uh, Joel Embiid and, and run things things there in Philly. Whatever. I'm just like, I don't care about next year. It's about this year winning with the Nets. You win a championship with the Nets right now. All this stuff dealing with Kyrie that you can't stand. You, you don't like the, the chemistry having him one day, then not the uncertainty, whatever. I get all that. But at the end of the day, winning heals everything. Okay. You, you've seen it with Odell Beckham before, you know, the pouting, the shouting, get me out of Cleveland. Now he's on the Rams. They're in the Super Bowl and life couldn't be any better, right? So winning uh, heals everything. So that's all that's going on right now, right? The Nets are in a six-game losing skid. Tough stretch here. They, listen, these six games they've lost, they should have won the uh, the other night against Sacramento. But the other ones, they played the Lakers, uh, who they you know they were banged up. I don't think they had Harden for that game. Uh, they played the Warriors. Now the Nets against the Warriors. I believe that was a game that they just had Kyrie, and they came back down from from nineteen down, and they actually took a lead. And I think there was a bogus call um, on an inbounds play where before the inbounds, Clay kind of fell. Kyrie was kind of running with him, and Clay fell. I didn't think there should have been a call there. Um, they called it a foul. So before the inbounds, they get to shoot the free throw, and they get the ball. That put them up four at that point, and the Nets, you know, had one last desperation inbounds that got, you know, stolen, and they lost the game. So that was a very hard-fought um, game. Warriors did collapse a little bit there, but that was a great sign to see the Nets come back in that game. And then Nick Claxton's back. He had 20, 23 the other night, I think, to lead all scorers. That was, I want to say, the last game. Harden's first game back after a couple days with that injury, and he only had four points. I didn't watch the last two Nets games. I will admit, West Coast, they're out at 10 o'clock. I was, I was in bed by then, and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not turning them on right now because it was the Suns. I didn't think they would win that game. And... And then to see that Harden only scored four points, I was like, wow, he's a little rusty. Maybe he'll be back tonight better than ever. And I was thinking, oh, let's hammer the Nets tonight. Well, now Harden's not playing. And then these rumors hit the shelf tonight. And are you ready for this? There are reports that the Sixers are now going to try and make a push to acquire James Harden before the trade deadline next week. Oh, my God. Here's what I will say about this. This makes absolutely no sense in the world if you are the Brooklyn Nets. You do, there, there should be nothing to entertain. And much like, you know, the Jamal Adams situation with the Jets, because same market, right, New York area, the, you're doing your due diligence as a GM. You're going to answer the phone 
because out of respect for Philly and you're going to you're going to see what they have to offer. They want to give you Seth Curry first round picks for the next couple of years and, and Ben Simmons who you could get rid of, maybe turn around and retrade because Ben Simmons is not going to put on a net uniform and embarrass this team like he has embarrassed the city of Philadelphia and embarrassed his teammates. I don't want him on the Nets. And I so help me God if the Nets make a trade for Ben Simmons and he is playing for them in the playoffs, it's over. Because shame on anybody that drafted this guy at number one when he cannot shoot a basketball. If you think about this for a second, the Sixers drafted number one and yeah, they drafted Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons number one overall. Two of the worst shooters that I coming into the league that I have ever seen in my life. Look at the numbers when they came in the league. Couldn't shoot. Markel Fultz, they had to ship out, and he went to Orlando. He suffered, a, I think, ACL tear this year. He started to rejuvenate his career a little bit there. Could not shoot the basketball. Could not shoot, and he's not a number one overall pick. He's like a average, like, like barely not even a starting type player with the Magic when he was playing Fultz. So, yeah, Ben Simmons can dish it. He could dunk. He could do all that. No one needs to guard him beyond the, the, the uh, you know, the free throw line. That's how bad his shot is. He won't even shoot threes. The couple times he's made them, they cheer. He, he is weak, mentally weak. And he let his teammates down, so the Nets better not trade for him. It makes all the sense in the world if you're Philly. You're paying this guy in Simmons, who's not even playing. He's not helping your team. It's Joel Embiid and a couple of other guys trying to do it by themselves. That's why Embiid is having such a successful season, and there's talks of him winning MVP. Right now, Jokic is the clear front runner with the numbers he's putting up. Uh, he might he might repeat as MVP, honestly. Um, he's been doing it without Jamal Murray. He's been doing it without Michael Porter Jr., who I thought was going to come back. They were showing videos a couple weeks ago of him shooting around before games. He looked good, uh, but then they just got granted an exception where they don't have to pay him because of an injury, which they basically said means he's not going to come back this year. So uh, wait and see what happens with that. Of course, Jamal Murray, he might be back if they make a playoff push, but Jokic has had them, um, you know, right there hovering around 500, and it's unbelievable what he's done. So here's the deal. It makes no sense for the Nets to do this. Of course, Harden didn't sign an extension, so he can become, I think it's. A, I think he'll be a restricted free agent, but he can make the most money with the Nets versus going to, to Philly. And the interesting thing about this is, yeah, he left money on the table in Houston because he wanted to finally come here and, and chase a, a title, right? But again, all the Nets have to do is win, start winning again, and, and all will be forgotten. End the six-game losing streak tonight. It's going to be hard. Um, you're playing a a good, uh, excuse me, jazz team getting two and six lately um, since they Donovan Mitchell went out with a concussion, but he's back tonight. So we'll see how this game plays out. All right. If the Nets are down big, I'll watch this a little bit and um, I'll make a determination. I'm really tired, so I probably won't won't bet this game live or, or stay up to, to finish it out. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. And what's crazy about this whole thing is it, it kind of, it's slightly, it, it's scary because it reminds me slightly of the Tom Brady situation when he left the Patriots. I'm like, oh, screw these reports. Tom Brady is the, he's, why would he ever leave New England? Yada, 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 right? And then he left and I was totally wrong. Well, there's a, there's a good tweet 
from uh, Bill Simmons, okay? Bill Simmons had this to say on January 24th. The Ben Simmons reports are becoming more and more ludicrous. Th th these were my thoughts exactly when these rumors were coming about. Oh, Brooklyn. Oh, he's saying, oh, Brooklyn is going to be leaping at the chance to trade Harden for him this summer? Question mark. Give me a break. Float pie in the sky stuff when you have no leverage. This being the Sixers. Philly has no leverage. He's legit damaged as a trade asset. Philly's cap is over $150 million next year, not counting picks and minimums. It's impossible for them to sign Harden. Brooklyn would have to say, cool, we'd love to help. Division rival, and we'll make ourselves way worse with the guy who melted down a year ago, then wouldn't play. And here's what I'll say about that. He's 100% any Nets fan, that's exactly what we're thinking, okay? And it's 100% true. And the other thing I'll add to that is any trade that if this is even remotely going to happen, they're not trading Harden for 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 Ben Simmons straight up. There would be other uh, players involved. Tobias Harris, I've heard his name floated around. I don't want him. I, I definitely don't want him. Um, Seth Curry, don't want him. Uh, we've got Joe Harris. I, we don't need another. Uh, and we've got Patty Mills. Fine. We don't need guys like that. We'll take Andre Drummond. We need a big man, 100%. Andre Drummond cost me a bet the other night because the Grizzlies couldn't beat the Joel Embiid-less 76ers because Andre Drummond secured 23 rebounds. That game went to overtime. I needed the Grizzlies to win by four. John Morant missed a couple of threes late in, uh, in overtime when they were up four, and they blew the game, and they lost. So the Nets, we all know they have issues um rebounding the basketball and at the five spot so that would be a thought okay but i don't want this this is ridiculous to think that well that was you know about a week ago bill simmons then tweeted this a couple of hours ago since i wrote this meaning everything i just said number one six game nets losing streak two harden's hammy hurts three harden's hand hurts four Harden looked more checked out in the 4.2 for 11 game against the Kings the other night than he did these uh, those last few Houston games. Now, if you remember back to those last few games in Houston, Harden ballooned. He was going to the strip club, eating chicken wings. He didn't care about conditioning. He was doing everything in his power to make it difficult on Houston, uh, forcing a trade, literally not trying. So for Bill Simmons, who clearly was watching this game, I did not. That's scary. And then he finishes with this in all caps. A hardened trade no longer seems ludicrous. So all of that happening in one week to change his mind and his stance and make this thing seem a little bit more realistic is a very, very scary proposition for any Nets fan out there. And I'm still going to lean on the side of caution and say, you know, that I'm I don't foresee this happening and I'm not at all worried. And I just think we need to stop uh, the stop the bleeding as quickly as possible. And if it's not tonight, we have to we have to win the next game. Uh, this road trip has been miserably brutal, but without playing on the road, we don't have Kyrie Irving. So how are we going to be expected to win when we get back home? Our home record is not good. We're 17 and nine on the road and we have a losing record at home. The Nets. 
So what is going to change there? We're not going to get KD back until after the All-Star break. That's another two weeks away just to get to the All-Star break. So there, there's no end in sight right now. And the only way we'll put this stuff to bed is trade deadline comes and goes next week and Harden for Simmons does not happen. If we make it through that deadline, we're good. We can move on. I could I could just worry about the rest of the league. And then I hear everybody talking about today, oh, the Nets are just one and a half games out of the play-in. Yeah, because there's, what, 10 teams that make this stupid play-in tournament? Um, guess what? How many games back the Nets are? They're in sixth right now. Guess how many games back the Nets are of first place in the conference, where they were for most of the season? Three. Three measly games behind first place. So they are a game and a half behind the Cavs for the fifth spot, two games behind Milwaukee and Philadelphia for the three spot, and Miami and Chicago are tied for that one spot. So they're literally three games back. They're a couple wins away from leapfrogging basically all these teams. There is no room or, or need to panic. So all this is is just rumors. Until that deadline passes, we'll, we'll move on. But... Uh, yeah, that was the breaking news today, just a couple hours ago, that the Sixers are going to try to make a push for James Harden. And can I, I can't blame them, but for the Nets to trade him to their division rival, still ludicrous in my opinion. All right, let's move on. Let's talk those conference championship games. Um, I'm over it. My Chiefs uh, blew it. I was all in on the Chiefs. You guys know I sound like a buffoon now because if you play that back, I was I, I said nobody's beating them after that Bills game. I figured they were just going to run away with it and win the entire thing, make it to a fourth straight um, uh, Super Bowl and yada yada, and they just totally blew it. Totally freaking blew it. Uh, big shout out to that dude though that I'm sure you've seen it all over now. Twenty. He turned a free $20 bonus bet into $579,000. Oh my God. By correctly predicting the outcomes and scores of both games. Just uh, just insanity that, that that could happen, but I don't get that kind of luck. Um, little disappointing. I would have, we, we've got Rams bangles, right? But I would have liked to see Rams Chiefs, couple of high powered offenses, right? Or a rematch between Chiefs and Niners. That would have been a nice defense versus offense again. Um, rematch of a Super Bowl that the 49ers, quite frankly, let slip away. Uh, but we're not getting that. It's going to be Rams. It's going to be Bengals. That's kind of, you know, fresh meat in the Bengals. Rams were there a couple years ago, obviously, in one of the snooze fest. Most snooze fest worthy Super Bowls of all time. Lowest scoring Super Bowl, I think, um, in which Brady got his final ring with the Patriots. Um, so here we go. Let's jump into a quick recap of both games. Okay. The common theme in this one was, uh, two teams choking away chances to go to a Super Bowl. Chiefs 49ers both had double digit leads in this game. Shocking. Uh, Jaquizki Tart for the 49ers will live that play down in infamy. It will go down in infamy. Uh, he'll live it down the rest of his career. Matthew Stafford, don't know what he was seeing. Just Stafford does this every once in a while. That's why I don't know how much you can trust him. I'm rooting for him in the Super Bowl, but man, he makes some boneheaded plays. Just throws one up to center field. Tart is back there. All he has to do is catch the ball. 
And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why he's on the defensive side of the football and he is not a wide receiver. He dropped a ball that I would have caught. 100%, no doubt about it, I would have caught the ball. And that's not, you know, that's, it was literally, I've never played football before. I know how to catch a ball. I'm an athlete. So it wouldn't have been that hard for me to catch a ball. There was nobody around to tackle him. He wasn't, it's not like he was going to have to dive over the middle and get smoked by the receiver or somebody. Now, right there, boom, he dropped it. And that cost them the game pretty much. As for the Chiefs, they choked a 21 to 3 lead away. This was a common theme. Last time they played the Bengals, they choked away a 14-point lead and lost the game. Something about the Bengals, it's their kryptonite all of a sudden. Mahomes, this game went to overtime. Why? Because the Chiefs had a chance to win the game, and they got down around the goal line, and Mahomes was dancing around and dancing around, and then he fumbles the ball on third and goal, and they have to jump on it and settle for a 44-yard field goal to send this game to overtime in which the Chiefs started with the ball. Here's the funny thing. I bet the Chiefs over four, uh, I bet the Chiefs minus four and a half and over 51 and a half. I needed a walk-off Chiefs touchdown in overtime to hit my bet, to hit my parlay, just like against the Bills. Just walk it off at the in overtime. I had Zero faith in the Chiefs going into overtime after what I watched in that second half. They finished with three points in the second half. Three points. The First of all, the end of the first half, just absolutely despicable. Everyone wants to talk about how Mahomes, they, they had to think that they had one timeout when he made that boneheaded throw to Tyreek Hill inbounds with five seconds left. Here's what I'll say about that. That is absolutely on Mahomes. But if Tyreek Hill was so good, and smart enough, that's the problem. These football players, they don't use their brain. Never do. That's why they play sports, and they're very good at their jobs. But I know it's hindsight, whatever. You cannot, if you're Tyreek Hill, catch that ball. You have to have the wherewithal, okay? You have to have the, you have to have the acumen or the IQ Okay, you ever heard of somebody that's got a really good, they say he's got a really good football IQ, right? You got to just miss the ball. Just let it go by you. Do not catch the ball or knock it down or something. Because if you knock that ball down, you get those three points at the end of the half and you don't give the Bengals life. Because that's exactly what it did. That gave the Bengals life going into the second half. And they rallied behind that. So Mahomes threw an interception in overtime, tried to force one down the field to Tyreek Hill, and the Bengals went down and they kicked a field goal and they walked it off. And it was shocking. This was in Kansas City. Just unbelievable. So Joe Burrow gets it done yet again in just his second year. Just amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, So here's an interesting thing, though. Both teams in the Super Bowl, the Bengals now and the Rams, they both lost their tight ends. CJ Uzama went down early in this game. I actually did like a 10-player same-game parlay for the for, for both games, and my Bengals and Chiefs won. I had Uzama over 19 and a half receiving yards, seemed like a lock, and then he got hurt. 
and never returned. But luckily, the other one that missed, I had uh, uh, Jamar Chase over, I think, 69 yards. And he 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 got the touchdown I needed, but he didn't get the, the yards. But I would have been really mad if I missed it just because Uzama got hurt. Um, anyway, both of those guys, I think, have ACE MCL injuries. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be close. They're going to rehab this next week and a half, two weeks till the Super Bowl and see. Um, well, it's next week now, but since the injuries, it's going to be two weeks. But anyway, they're going to try to get back on the field. I, I know I saw Higby has probably a better chance. Uzama's looked looked really bad. I mean, he got carted off like away um, after he made it to the bench and then he was crying and he came back later on crutches. So I was surprised when they said it was only a sprain and he has a chance to play. So so we'll see. Uh, but the Rams, they uh, that guy, Blanton, Kendall Blanton, he stepped it up, man, um, had a career day, actually. So that that's just one storyline there. All right, we've got the Pro Bowl, the NFL Pro Bowl taking place this weekend. I see these AFC, these wide receivers and whoever they were playing dodgeball. I just saw that on ESPN's like Instagram. So I don't know. There's probably games and things going on all day long and maybe tomorrow throughout the weekend that they do at the Pro Bowl. It's just not, it doesn't have the same ring to it as the NBA All-Star Weekend. It, I never watch a Pro Bowl. It's a joke, but here's an interesting one. I might watch this for this. Um, they're experimenting with something called the spot and choose concept with kickoffs. So instead of choosing to kick or receive, the team that wins the opening coin toss will instead choose anywhere on the field to place the ball along with the direction. The team that loses the coin toss will then decide whether to start on offense or defense. The loser will also be able to choose between both privileges when the second half begins. So that's a mouthful. I'm really not sure what all that means. I have to watch it to see it. I kind of understand it, but at the same time, I want to see this play out. Is somebody going to put the ball at the 50? Are they going to put it at the one? Who, what are they going to choose? Like, I'm curious to see, see how this plays out. I really am. Okay, next up, let's talk a little tennis. You can cue up the tape. I said it last weekend that Rafael Nadal was a great bet at plus 160 to win the Australian Open. He did not have a good career overall at the Australian Open. I think he lost like four straight finals appearances there and not, not a great, great showing for him there. But guess what? He won in five sets, and just before the match, he he was up to plus one sixty five odds. So you bet a hundred, you win two sixty five, getting a profit of one sixty five. It was great odds there. And what did I do? I've been so in my head lately and losing on the NBA that I decided eh, it's at three thirty in the morning. I'm not staying up or waking up to watch this. So I did not bet it. I woke up to find that Nadal went down two sets. The odds on that would have been probably well over 1,500 at that point. He came back in the fifth set after Medvedev broke his uh, fifth set sir, uh, match point serve, I think, and he ended up winning. And that's good odds, man. So congrats to Nadal. He gets his 21st Grand Slam title, breaking a tie and surpassing Federer and, and, and Djokovic for the most all time. Of course, things were probably have been different if Djokovic was able to play in this event, but uh, still, 
21 is 21. A win is a win. Okay, interesting story here. Jim Harbaugh, his name has been circling for some time now in relation to these NFL head coaching vacancies. I heard his name linked to possibly uh, Oakland, uh, excuse me, Oakland's uh, bad habits, Vegas with the Raiders, Miami, and now Minnesota. This is the first one that's really taken off. The Vikings decided to fly Harbaugh in for an interview, making him the last of four candidates to interview in person. Reports were that Harbaugh believed he was going there to sign a contract and become the next head coach of the Vikings. That's not how the Vikings saw it. I actually saw another report that Harbaugh was saying goodbyes to people in Ann Arbor. That is, I don't know if he's just a cocky SOB, but that is ballsy to just um, assume you have the job. Uh, I saw another report that he got there. This wasn't a, I'm going there, I'm signing my contract, and we're getting to work. This interview apparently lasted nine hours. Harbaugh, after he realized he wasn't getting the job, I think he couldn't fly back because of weather, had to go back to his hotel, called his AD, Ward Manuel, and said, quote, this will not be a recurring theme every year. This was a one-time thing. Yeah, because you realize you weren't getting the job, so now you're begging for your old job back. I, I'm, pr I'm pretty sure I read in the quote that he called him and was like, hey, you still want me to be coach of Michigan? And then he said, yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm committed 100%. If you were committed 100%, Jim, you wouldn't have gone to interview with the Minnesota Vikings on National Signing Day. Oh, my God. How are recruits supposed to sign with Michigan when you're with the Minnesota Vikings possibly, be, you know, becoming their next head coach? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just a terribly bad, bad look. Here's the other thing. That that's kind of crazy. Harbaugh. The new GM of the Minnesota Vikings, guy by the name of uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa. He is actually from, grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, shout out Jersey, went to Princeton to study, I think, economics, walked on to the basketball team there. So he was a, he was a smart guy. He didn't just go there. He wasn't a black guy that went there for sports. No, 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 no. He went there because he was smart. This guy is a brilliant man. He then uh, got his master's, forget what he got his master's in, business, whatever. Got his master's from Stanford, okay? Stanford elite school. Then he got into football because he had a chance, from what I read, a chance encounter with a couple of executives from the 49ers. Ding, 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 ding. That's Jim Harbaugh's friend. Jim Harbaugh was head coach of the 49ers when they hired Mensa and he's got his start in football. So Jim Harbaugh is like, okay, this guy, he kind of owes me, you know, I helped him out. He, we were with the 49ers. We went to a Super Bowl. That's on, that's all me, my doing, right? That's my guy. I'm going to go there. He boom, bing, bang, boom. I'm Jim freaking Harbaugh. Let's get this done. Let's sign. Now I did think it was a little weird that like, why would you want to go to Minnesota of all places? Uh, but that's his friend. So maybe he, he wanted to go there. Well, his buddy, 
didn't want him, apparently. And then it came out, I think yesterday, the Vikings are finalizing an offer to make Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell their next coach. Wow. So now Jim Harbaugh has egg on his face and he's got to go back to Ann Arbor and he's got to explain to his team and look those young men in the eyes and tell them why they weren't good enough for him and why he chose the NFL. And he gave some cockamamie statement about how, you know, went to a Super Bowl. I came so close, uh, you know, one more run at it, I, blah, 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 blah. You screwed up and you got caught and it bit you in the butt. Next up, little MLB lockout update. I'm sick and tired of it just as much as the next guy, but I want to bring an update because we haven't really heard much on this. Okay, players want one thing. Owners want another. Blah, blah, blah. Same song and dance here. But here's what the players really want. Minimum salaries to go up from $570,500 to $775,000. You figure how much really? We're talking two hundred five thousand, not even $205,000, like $200,000 in an increase for rookies. The league is pinching pennies. They're countering with 615,000 for first year players, then 650 for second year guys, and a whopping 715 for third year players. Then there's the arbitration issue. Players in years three to six are paid based on an agreed upon value between team and player based on player production. I have to thank The Athletic. They really broke this thing down and put it in layman's terms here. The system has been viewed as terribly arcane. It keeps young, valuable players at a low salary threshold while simultaneously barring them from free agency. Service time manipulation which is one of the most controversial practices we've seen over the last decade or so. And under the former CBA, teams had a clear motivation to keep a player in the minor leagues longer, no matter how talented, to stretch out those six years of team control as much as possible. We saw it with Pete Alonzo, I believe. They wanted to keep him in the minors one more year before bringing him up so they have that extra year of control. It happens all the time, and that always bothered me. But I kind of understood it from a business perspective, but still. Um. Anyway, the league is offering... Here's an interesting one. The league is offering draft picks to teams if they have a top 100 prospect. How exactly that's determined is unclear. Finish in the top three in rookie of the year voting or top five in either Cy Young or MVP voting. The union counters, they want to award a year of service time to any rookie who finishes top five in their league for rookie of the year, top three for reliever of the year, and or makes first or second team all MLB. And of course, what does all that mean? Absolutely nothing because both sides hate each other's proposals. Um, I saw Rob Manford made a statement. The league and union met again uh, Tuesday, but weren't able to find common ground and don't have another meeting on the schedule. Um, basically, Spring training is two weeks away. 
just two weeks, and it's not looking good. And basically, Manfred was saying they want to bring in a legal uh, mediator or arbitrator. But I saw something saying that the union has to agree upon this. And it's just, I think I have some more in my notes a little bit later. They did this in the 94 strike, and and they brought in this mediator, and the players hated it, and it didn't help. And so this is just a nightmare. And you don't want to be associated with that 94 strike, uh, because that was... Baseball was in a real, after that strike, they lost viewership. So what did they do? That's when you saw the the steroid boom in baseball. We don't need another disaster like that. Okay, let's transition back to football for a second. Josh McDaniels has been named the head coach of the Vegas Raiders. Josh McDaniels, not Rich Basaccio or Basaccia, I forget his name. Some Italian dude um, that was filling in as interim. The players wanted wanted Basaccia. Uh, they wanted him. And this is where tensions get a little weird. Uh, Basaccia. I, I was right the second time. So McDaniels, this is his third time around as a head coach, right? We all know what he can do with Tom Brady as an offensive coordinator. And quite frankly, what he did with Mac Jones was pretty remarkable this year as well. Um, that game against the Bills where they threw just three times and really they they didn't need to, to throw once and they won the game. Incredible. Incredible. Here's, here's the timeline on McDaniels. He lasted two years with the Broncos, being fired after week 13 in his second, second season. He made one of the craziest trades on draft night in 2009 by trading, I don't even remember this, but Josh McDaniels, this is this is um, a situation at, where a young coach was given all the power to do whatever he wanted, and it, it was disastrous. In 09, that 09 draft, he traded his 2010 first-round pick for a second-round pick in that year's draft, so 09's draft. So he wanted a second-round pick. He's like, I'll, I'll trade next year's pick. I don't care about next year. I'll trade that now for a second-round pick. He then used that pick on cornerback Alfonso Smith. I never ever even heard of Alfonso Smith because he was traded by his second year and out of the league shortly thereafter. Barely made it past his rookie season. Guess who the Seahawks used that first round pick on in 2010? Earl freaking Thomas. Oh my God. Now, I'll give him this. Despite all of his shortcomings, he drafted some superb players in in that 2010 draft, despite giving up that first round pick. He drafted Demarius Thomas. He drafted Tim Tebow. And he drafted Eric Decker just to name a few, and there were some others. After McDaniels was fired, we all know the story. They went on to win that uh, that playoff game with Tim Tebow, throwing that touchdown in overtime to Demarius Thomas, and they actually made the playoffs and won the AFC West in five consecutive years. So he really didn't set the team back much, but he was not looked upon as having any success whatsoever. And then, of course, we've got to go back to 2018, that fiasco where McDaniels agreed to become the head coach of the Colts was a press conference was set up the morning of the press conference. He backed out. And this, so this was days after Super Bowl 52. Everything's set up. It's lined up. He's the head coach of the Colts. 
literally the evening before the press conference was set to take place, McDaniels backed out of his spoken deal with the Colts and opted to stay with the New England Patriots as their offensive coordinator. After that, there was talks that this guy would never get another head coaching job again. He can't be trusted. He's a snake, all that stuff. But time heals all wounds. Here we are today. Josh McDaniels this week, the head coach of the Vegas Raiders. Let's see if the third time is the charm. Now, there's a huge, huge story. I could have led with this, but I didn't. It has kind of, it's sort of fizzled out the last couple of days, but it's still a very developing and major story. Former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores on Wednesday filed a shocking lawsuit alleging that the NFL and all 32 teams have engaged in racial discrimination during the coaching hiring process. Flores says he has screenshots of a purported text conversation between himself and Patriots coach Bill Belichick, who Flores worked under with the Pats for 11 seasons. Belichick texted congratulating Flores for getting the Giants head coaching job. There was only one problem. Flores had yet to officially interview for the job. Belichick accidentally texted the wrong Brian. He meant to text Brian Dayball, the new, the actual new head coach of the New York Giants, who was also a former Belichick assistant. Flores is black. Dayball is white. Flores believes the job had been promised to Dayball before Flores was even interviewed. And here's what I'll say. Here's what um, I think the Giants came out and said this. Anybody that knows when you interview for a job, you are not just interviewing one guy, right? You you know it. You've gone on job interviews yourself, or if you're the person that interviews people, you don't bring in one person. Uh, that's unheard of. I've never heard of that in my entire life. You're not doing your job as a business or, or as an owner or as, you know, uh, whatever. You bring in multiple candidates. You go through a process, resumes. You check through uh, references. You you find, say it's five, say it's 10. There could be 60 candidates for, for a job and you're going to bring in as many as you feel that you should bring in. After interviewing maybe the first couple, the first one or two, maybe you get a sense after interviewing that first guy or that second guy or even that third guy, you're like, wow. You look, probably a panel interview, right? You don't want just one person interviewing this guy for a coaching job for the head coach. And you, you look around, you're like, wow, that's my guy. It's going to be really hard. Somebody's really going to have to convince me not to hire that guy. And maybe it gets around that, okay, it starts spreading like that guy, Brian Dayball, he was a hell of an interview and it's his job to lose. And then people run with it. Okay, they're leaning towards Brian Dayball. And as you you see it, second interview. Now he's on his third interview. All right, it's looking like it's this guy, right? And that's before Brian Flores goes in for his interview. And what's wrong with that? They're leaning towards one guy and Brian Flores now has to try and convince them that, oh no, you, you shouldn't hire that guy. You should hire me. And here's what I'll say about this. Well, I won't say it. Marvin. Lewis, former head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals for 15 years, who is a black man, went on SportsCenter and he had this 
to say. Wait, you have to wait till the end. Don't form an opinion until the very end of this video or Did you audio. you go through anything similar to this in terms of the hiring practice where you felt like those interviews prior to Cincinnati was just a waste of your time? Well, I actually, I, I did interview uh, with the Carolina Panthers before uh, John Fox got the job. And, and I can recall that we had uh, lost uh, to the Steelers in the second round of the playoffs. And I remember sitting home on Monday, and I think it was Chris Mortensen or someone else reported that, that Foxy would be named the head coach of the Panthers on Friday. And when I went to work Tuesday, Brian came in and said, hey, I just got off the phone with Ozzy and the Panthers want you to come down and interview for the job. I said, coach, I, I just heard last night on TV that they're going to name Foxy the coach on Friday. He said, so he goes back, he talks to Ozzy, talks to the people. And and I end up going down to, to Charlotte and so forth and meeting with the, the Richardson family. And, you know, they said that wasn't true and so forth. And they named John the head coach on Friday. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know, you know, again, it, that's the situation I was I was in. But you have to go. You have to go and prove uh, that you're worthy to become the head coach. And, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, you're appreciative of the opportunity. But what was supposedly going to happen ended up happening in that case for sure. There was there it was right. Right. Sort of those last like 30 seconds or so you still have to go and convince them. And not only do you convince them, or maybe, you know, in, in this case, he didn't convince them. And what was reported um, happened where John Fox did get the job, but it it's, it's experience because here's the thing. We all know how football works. You, John Fox didn't last in Carolina, right? We all know how that worked. He had a good run in Carolina, but eventually another coach comes in. And who's not to say that Marvin Lewis, that interview by going there and interviewing with the ownership and with the executives, with the Panthers, doesn't lead to them the next time around when they're looking for a head coach to call him and say, hey, we want you to come in for an interview. And and look, that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic. Why, that's the other thing. The, Brian Flores is making this about black coaches. We all know the Rooney rule is in place and it's a sham. I will agree with that. The Rooney rule is a sham because why? They are bringing in these guys that are not qualified because they have to check a box and say they interviewed a black, a black person. And I think that's ridiculous. It, it, like I said, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, your religion, your nationality. The Jets freaking hired a Muslim, the first Muslim head coach ever in Robert Sala. Do you think they care that he's Muslim? Because I certainly don't care what, what his religion is or what he does, you know, when he's home with his family. Heck no. I care about the X's and O's. Is he a good football coach? And that's what matters. Are you a good football coach? Okay, so since the Rooney rule was put in place in 03, it's like 26 out of 127 coaches that have been hired have been black. And that's one in five. Another thing I'll add, there are six or so black general managers in football. Why are they not hiring their black 
you know, they're, they're black coordinators they're, and they're, they're black coaches. They're the ones in, in, the, in the spots. They have a say, but they're not doing it. Something isn't adding up. Maybe they're just not as qualified as some of these other guys. I don't think it's that because if you are a coordinator in this in the NFL, you are qualified, in my opinion. You can become a head coach. Look what Kellen Moore has done in a few years out of the league as coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. He's getting some run. His name is getting uh, rumored to be for, uh, out there for head coaching spots. Um, D'Amico Ryans is another young black black coach, former player, 49ers, D.C. now. Um, he His name is being floated out there. So there are guys out there, and I don't know the exact number of coaches in football that are black, but it's obviously not as many as there are white coaches. And I will also agree that we've got to stop recycling the same white coaches that we all know stink. We all know it. Okay, Bill O'Brien is about to be back in the NFL as the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. How long before he's a head coach again? Let's be real. He was not good with the Texans. Um, there, uh, same can be said about uh, black head coaches. Todd Bowles was the head coach of the Jets. I know more than anybody how bad it was when Todd Bowles was here. We had one good year in, in like 2015, and we blew it in that final game. We went 10-6 and six and still somehow missed the playoffs. Only the Jets could go 10 and 6 and not make the playoffs, right? It's just ridiculous. But Todd Bowles was not a great coach. There have been plenty of black coaches, white coaches that are just not good coaches. So bottom line, get rid of the Rooney rule and just interview the best candidate for the job. And listen, if you are a black former player, you have connections, you want to get into coaching, you can get into coaching. We need more of these black former players and these up and coming black, uh, you know, maybe you, you don't make it to the NFL. You want to get into coaching, find an internship. That's that's we we need more of that. So uh, enough uh, of Brian Flores trying to make this a racism thing. And, and he equated it. The owners are plant, you know, it's a plantation. And come on. I mean, really, 70% of the league is black and they're making millions and millions of dollars. So anyway, this is a class action lawsuit so others can jump on. Um, Hugh Jackson is apparently going to jump on because what the other kicker is of, that I didn't even get to, I'll get to right now. Flores, um, here it is. He is asserting that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross urged him to tank this season, even offering $100,000 per loss. That's the kicker. Forget your whole racism thing against coat black coaches getting hired. Forget that. Because if this is true, this is the story that they're going to run with. And then Hugh Jackson jumped aboard the gravy train and said, yes, when I was in Cleveland, they did the same thing. They offered me, they paid me to lose. Very convenient, Hugh Jackson, considering you won one game in two years. Easy to say that it wasn't your your coaching or or the fact that he's claiming that they gave him purposely bad players so that they could lose and, and recalibrate the whole thing. It's just this stuff is crazy. But I, I totally believe that that could be true, that part. But 
he he dilutes his whole case about black coaches and the racism thing when he brings this up. And then he's throwing in just ludicrous stuff like he's trying to bolster his case and he's just throwing in crazy stuff here. And he says that when he interviewed for the Broncos head job in 2019, which he claims is was a sham interview in Pro, in a hotel in Providence, Rhode Island, he says general manager John Elway and CEO Joe Ellis showed up to the interview an hour late and, quote, it was obvious they had been drinking heavily the night before. Zero way to prove that unless you have video evidence. The only evidence he has, you could say, are these text messages that, well, I haven't seen them, but it's it's going to it'll come out if it does. He believes he was interviewed only to satisfy the Rooney rule for that Broncos job, which mandates each organization interview minority. Can- yeah, we talked about this. The Broncos ended up hiring Vic Fangio, who, mind you, didn't just get hired because he was an old white dude. That was Vic Fangio's first NFL head coaching job after 30 years in the NFL. Okay, so don't just say that it's black coaches that can't get head coaching jobs because Vic Fangio had to wait 30 years to get a head coaching job. His case just keeps falling apart. Then he made the rounds. I don't know what day it was, Tuesday, Wednesday. He was on CBS morning show. He was on ESPN. And I heard a clip of him talking and it's like he was trying to find the words and it it was it was dragged out. He was saying um a lot. It's obvious that he doesn't maybe interview very well. Now, listen, when he got fired from the Dolphins, I thought it was outrageous. They started one in seven, won like eight straight, just missed out on the playoffs the last two years. Um, And (laughs) not a bad coach. So having known nothing about him, him getting fired, I'm like, if I need a coach, why not hire him? He, he, He shouldn't have been fired. And maybe they fired him because he wasn't tanking like they wanted and he won those eight straight. I don't know. But I know that they that they wanted Trevor Lawrence. That's been, you know, coming out in this whole thing that they wanted to tank for Trevor Lawrence, who didn't want to tank for Trevor Lawrence, might be rethinking that now as the Jaguars huh, have the number one pick yet again with Trevor Lawrence. The kicker yesterday, Brian Flores, there are still two I believe two, maybe more, at least two, the Vikings and the, uh, okay, Dolphins, Vikings, Dolphins, and, uh, no, sorry, Vikings. It's Dolphins and uh, Texans are the two openings left. Brian Flores is, it, it came out, Brian Flores is a finalist for the Texans head coaching job. A finalist. And I will agree, he's way more qualified for the Texans job than Josh McCown, who's rumored to be the favorite to, to, to get that position. But after everything he just did, he will never, and never say never, I know, but he just Colin Kaepernicked himself. Are you, he's willing to die on this sword? Are you kidding me? For what? For what, Brian? For what? Nobody's going to remember you in five years from now if you are not coaching in this league. If you don't get this Texans job, which why would the the Texans in their right mind hire you now? Why? You just made a big stink about all this stuff. I mean, really? 
And then all anybody's going to say if they do hire you is, well, they just hired them because of all this and, and they had to hire them now. That's uh, just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is going to take who knows how long. Everybody's denying it up and down. The NFL's going to do an investigation, but there's hardly any way to prove this. He needs to prove it with receipts, and I don't think he has them. Like, come on, these are billionaires we're talking about. You think they just wired him $100,000 per loss and they could go find that money? Come on. This is this is wild. But at the same time, it's entertaining. I'll, I'll give it that. Very entertaining. Okay. Tom Brady officially announced his retirement Tuesday. He wrote a heartfelt goodbye, but Patriots fans got their panties in a bunch because Brady never mentioned anything about his time in New England. He never mentioned uh, Bill Belichick or Robert Kraft. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Get over yourself. He won you six titles. Not much else to go into. Um, I do want to watch, though, the uh, Brady special, the documentary series on ESPN+. Plus. Um, there's some good clips I've seen circulating on the internet about Brady, who, again, will never see anybody like him in our lifetime, and he's just, he's the GOAT. Of, in all sports, Brady is the absolute goat. And, and you can't deny that. One, Like 1,000%, he's the best there is. Okay, interesting. Uh, you've heard about the transfer portal in college football. It's ridiculous. There's an estimated 3,000 players going through the portal. And it's crazy. You have players leaving after one year at one school, jumping to another school and immediately eligible to play. Well, have we heard of a coach doing that? Because it just happened. Kevin Steele, one cold-blooded coach, defensive coordinator, right? He's been he's 63 years old. He's been at Alabama, LSU, big big time school after big time school, right? So anyway, Kevin Steele was recently hired last week to be the defensive coordinator at Maryland. They need a rebuilding, but you know, it's the Big Ten, you know, Power Five Conference. They're a middle of the pack, lower tier uh, conference, uh, excuse me, football program. And um, so he was hired there last week, just named the defensive coordinator of Maryland. Okay, so as recently as Tuesday, I believe it was, and, um, yeah, as recently as Tuesday, Kevin Steele was on the recruiting trail trying to recruit guys to Maryland. That was Tuesday morning. But by the afternoon, by Tuesday afternoon, Steele bounced, jumped ship, and accepted a job to become Miami's new defensive coordinator under Mario Cristobal. I mean... Oh my God. I'm speechless. I guess it only took him a few hours to realize nobody really wanted to come to Maryland and yank competing with the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, some of these other teams. So he bolted for the Sunshine State. And I'm not entirely sure his relationship, if he if he does have one with Mario Cristobal, but he's 63. He's been in the league. He's been in the NFL. He's been a head coach. So I'm sure he's got connections all over, but just a wild one. Uh, just, I, it, that's, it's crazy. Okay, in other news, Washington football team, the football team in Washington, 
finally announced a new name. It only took freaking two years, and they still got it wrong. Still. It will be the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders. Whoops. Yeah, sad trombone. That's the one I was looking for. How sad is that? The Athletic did a poll and Red Hogs won by a mile. 3% of the vote was for Commanders. Just 3%. And they got a lot of votes on that. I mean, are you kidding me? The Commanders? Like, how about we go with something that has the word red in it? So we're at least a little bit used to, you know, because it used to be called red skin. I mean, come on. They can't get anything right. And now sexual assault allegations are coming about for Dan Snyder, their owner. Oh, just, eh, it's a total mess. Um, so I want to apologize personally to Maryland and D.C. natives. Not only did Kevin Steele leave your university, your state school, just after a week on the job, but now you have to live with this name for your franchise. Congrats, Commanders. Okay, Wednesday. This is great. This is absolutely great. Wednesday was National Signing Day, and it belonged to Texas A&M, which signed the number one class in the country, and according to 24-7 sports uh, metrics, the best class in history. Huge accomplishment. Then Jimbo Fisher, head coach of the Aggies, got a little annoyed when talking about how successful his staff was, resenting the implication that boatloads of NIL money brought in these players. So this is kind of long. I've broken it down into two parts. So here's part number one. This is, just take a listen. Here's what I'm going to say. This is point blank. This is point blank to the, because I hear, here's, here's my problem. There is no $30 million fund. There is no five million. There is no 10. This is garbage. Okay. And it does. It pisses me off that people, and here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. Then everybody runs with it. So it's written on the internet as gospel. How irresponsible is that? You got, I'm going to tell you some of There's some very reputable writers in college football and sports that wrote it and that said it and have done things. That's unbelievable to me. There's some guy, when I first heard it, I laughed. I said, oh, yeah, what a clown. I mean, somebody, I didn't even think anything of it because I don't have social media. And it kept building, and lately I've heard more about it. To me, it's insulting to the players that we recruited that that's why they would come here. You ever been to a game here? You ever come to school here and see the education? You ever talk about the 12th man, the Aggie Network, when you're done? There ain't a better university in this country. And it's insulting to what you say. And all these, and we got writers who, who have said it and done it off sliced bread. Guy named Sly, who made it up. Love to see who sliced bread is and put it out there with sliced bread. Let me find out where it comes from. And then to have coaches in our league and across this league to say it, clown acts. All right? Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. And the guys griping about NIL, griping about transfer portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll trust, I'll take it with any of y'all. It's a joke. It does piss me off. He wasn't done. He goes on to say, and that's explosive, but he goes on to say that, um, so if you get the gist of that, this guy from Bro Bible, it's an online platform, it is saying that they're bringing in all these, these transfer portal guys with NIL deal money, 
all these millions of dollars and he's saying that's it's there's no sort of fund uh nothing this guy's saying is validated or truth and a lot of these colleges reporters big time uh maybe espn types are running with this he even said that the vice president of notre dame he goes on to bash him he's like notre dame reputable university you would trust what he has to say and he said this too and he's saying it's completely false and it's a complete fabrication. So here is the second part of what Jimbo Fisher had to say. He's not done. It's funny. When Nick Saban said his quarterback got an $800,000 deal, was wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? But ours, at, ours at, we ain't got that. Ours are on record what comes up. We ain't doing all them big deals. There ain't none on our place that we know of. That's funny when you do it. It's hippie. And then we gripe about the transfer portal. Then you, take, you guys take more than everybody. What's about that and what goes on? The hypocrisy is a joke. It's an absolute joke, and it's insulting to, uh, to our staff, how hard we work, to how we do things, and it's insulting to Texas A&M because there ain't a better place to go to school and play ball. If we don't like it, we're coming on. Get used to it. All right? We ain't going nowhere. It, it, it's, it's an absolute joke that people put the hard work in and do it. It's irresponsible, but it's funny when they get it, it's all okay. Ball games are changing, man. It ain't because of NIL and what goes on. It's pretty irresponsible of all of them. They're clowns. Taking shots at Nick Saban. He was fired up, Jimbo Fisher. Real fired up. Uh, so, yeah, I just, wow. I, I love uh, when a coach goes off like that. It, it makes for some juicy entertainment and makes for some juicy podcasting. Okay, um, next up. I want to jump in, talk some college hoops real quick. I heard today on the Michael K show that Iona is finalizing a deal for um, their head coach. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. Um, Rick Patino. And Iona are finalizing a deal. I bizarre. I heard this on uh, the Michael K show this afternoon. They're finalizing a deal to make Rick Pitino uh, finish out his coaching career there. Apparently, he loves it there at Iona right now. He's uh, just got his 800th win, and he wants to finish his career, his coaching career there. Uh, he's 69 years old, and he wants to get to a thousand wins at Iona because obviously Louisville's now looking for a coach. Um, I don't know if they bought out uh, Mac there yet, Chris Mack, um, but they're going to be looking for a coach. Uh, Maryland is in shambles. I know Boomer Esiason talks about bring he would love to bring Rick Pitino to Maryland. So very, very, very interesting um, thing there. And then speaking about um, needing a coach, the hot seat, could it get any hotter for Georgetown's own Patrick Ewing? Oh my God, they dropped their 10th straight game um, to St. John's 90 to 77. They let, they haven't won a game since December 18th. They are now 0-9 in conference play. It's the worst start in the history of, of the school. So bye, 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 Patrick Ewing. You will not be coming back to coach the Hoyas after this year. You're, it, it, I don't I don't foresee it. They are in shambles right now. In shambles. So yeah, quite shocking. 
Okay, next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars finally hired a coach. Another interesting, um, another interesting thing happened here with the Jaguars. It seems like the bad franchises this always happens to. All right. Did I didn't know much of this, but this is why I do this research and I, I find this stuff out for you guys. Byron Lefwich, offensive coordinator, former Jaguars quarterback, uh, offensive coordinator with the Buccaneers, won a Super Bowl last year with Tom Brady. Fairly green, fairly new to the league. I think he was quarterback's coach. Then he got promoted to offensive coordinator, yada, 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 right? Okay. He's got some experience under his belt now. Maybe he'd be a good fit with the Jaguars. He was their quarterback after all and had some success there. He was the front runner for this job. And now he's no longer even in the running. So here's what happened. On Thursday, Byron Lefwich made it known that he would not work with current GM Trent Balky. He then took his name from consideration for the job, and Balky still <laughs> is still in, in power. He's still running the show there. The thing about Balky is he's the one that came in full-time GM in 2021. He immediately hired Urban Meyer, which obviously was a complete disaster, fired in his first year. So he probably should be, if they're bringing in a new coach, you should probably uh, cut bait with the G general manager. But they feel that he knows what he's doing. He's had success in that role with the 49ers, with Jim Harbaugh. They went to a Super Bowl there, so he does know what he's doing. But, but here's what I'll say with Leftwich. Why in God's name or who in God's name does Byron Leftwich think he is? Here's a perfect example. They don't hire enough black coaches, right? Byron Leftwich was the front runner for this job. Byron Leftwich didn't get hired because he was black. Byron Leftwich didn't get hired by the Jaguars because he pulled his name out of the running because he thought that he had some amount of power that he could dictate to the team that he doesn't even coach for that oh I'm not working with that with that general manager if I'm being if I'm going to be hired you're going to bring in my guy or somebody that I want I'm sorry Byron but just cuz you played for that team and you won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady last year doesn't mean you get to make demands that's not how this thing works so a black coach could have been hired as a head coach, but pulled his name out of the running because he wouldn't suck it up and take the job with a guy that he didn't like. And there's more. Does anyone know who Byron Leftwich was or is before Tom Brady got to Tampa? Because from what I, uh, from what I understand, Byron Leftwich didn't have too much success with Jameis Winston or any other quarterback not named Tom Brady. It's all well and good. It's all easy once Tom Brady gets there, the greatest quarterback of all time. It's very easy to win a Super Bowl with that group of guys, with Tom Brady, with Leonard Fournette, with Ronald Jones, with Chris Godwin, with, with uh, Rob Gronkowski, with Mike Evans. Come on. I've never coached football, and I could have been offensive coordinator on that team. So again, I don't want to bash Byron Leftwich because I liked him as an offensive coordinator, and I think he can be a a good uh, a coach in this league. Um, he's on the younger side, which is good. A former player, which is great. Quarterbacks obviously make for good coaches, but I don't know what 
went on or why he was so adamant about not working with Balky. So just it, it's just a weird situation. Like, do you, you either want the job or you don't? Because I would do anything to take the job. Whether you're being set up to fail, whatever. Head coaching experience is head coaching experience, and it can only help you. So that was a bizarre one. And then after he pulled his name out of the running, the Jaguars said, okay, bye. Hold my beer. And they hired Doug Peterson, former Eagles coach who won a Super Bowl not too long ago. So there you have it. All right. Uh, I spoke about the MLB lockout just real quick. And not really much. I really pretty much hit on all this. I said br- they want to bring in a federal mediator. Um, but again, they did this in 94. And in 94, that didn't help things. They lost a World Series that year. And negotiations, oh, they only lasted eight months. So spring training's two weeks away, guys. Forget about that. That ain't happening. Um, so the season's going to get pushed back 100%. All right, we're going to wrap this thing up. I've gone way too far. Winter Olympics started Wednesday, actually. The opening ceremonies were, I think, today. They're actually being re-aired at 8 p.m. Um, to d- tonight, which actually it's 8.37, so they're being re-aired right now. Who cares about the Winter Olympics? I'm sorry. Events coming on tonight, alpine skiing, curling, figure skating, hockey, luge, ski jumping, Um, The big one here is going to be Nathan Chen. He's the one to watch. He's the best figure skater in the world, and he's looking to redeem himself for Team USA after a poor showing in 2018. This is being uh, uh, the the Winter Olympics is taking place in Beijing, China. There's a lot of human rights violations going on over there. A lot of countries refuse to even send athletes there. Um, But. The IOC, they just don't care, and this stuff is allowed to go on. Uh, so it, it's just, it, it's a total joke. So I, I probably won't be watching much of, of these Winter Olympics. I'm sorry. Uh, number seven, Arizona defeated number three, UCLA, for the first time since 2018. They reclaimed the top spot in the Pac 12 with their 76 66 win and avenged a loss at the hands of UCLA just nine days ago. Here's the bigger headline. Coming from this game, UCLA forward uh, uh, freshman, uh, redshirt freshman forward Mac Etienne was arrested on a misdemeanor assault charge for spitting at the Arizona student section as his team was walking off the court. I saw the video of it. It's despicable. It's disgusting. And I hope he learned a lesson, whether they kick him out or kick him off the UCLA team or not. But I know my man Mick Cronin doesn't take kindly to that type of BS. So good luck dealing with with Mick Cronin, man, because, ooh, that is a feisty man, my kind of coach. All right, um, we're kind of at the, le- the, the end here, but one big thing, Shaq, last week on Inside the NBA, he went up and in on Ben Simmons, calling him a crybaby, yada, yada, yada. He made it known on his The Big Podcast with Nichelle Turner and Spice Adams that Ben Simmons actually slid into Shaq's DMs because I guess he doesn't have his number. And he said how Shaq shouldn't have said that and all this, yada, yada, yada. Take a listen to some of this. 
last week on Inside the NBA, Shaquille went viral for talking about Ben Simmons. Let me tell you why, why I'm pissed off. Magic paved the way for Mike. They wasn't making no money. Mike paved the way for me to get all that bread I was getting. I paved the way for Garnett. Ben Simmons messing the money up. Because first of all, they already think we're spoiled. Mm -hmm. They already think we don't deserve it. You're making $40 million, and the only reason why you're not playing is because your coach called you out. You're making us look bad. And I've been in this moment many times. They asked, say, hey, you think you can win with Shaq in the fourth quarter? And all my coaches said he he got to step up and knock him down. They all said that. I didn't go, man. I got I already I got, I got thirty eight. I, I missed twelve free throws. Yo yo, trade me, get rid of me. He acting like a baby. So he kind of got in my DM and said some things, and I said some things say? back. What do you say? Um, I don't. I, I can't do that. He said some things. No, I, I can't do that. So wait, Ben Simmons DM'd you after he heard yes. what you said last week. Yeah. All I said is you leaving your man out there. You need to play. That's all I said. Okay. And he said some things, but I'm not going to elaborate what he said because that's not cool. He was mad. Mad at you. Yeah, he's probably mm-hmm. mad because I'm his LSU brother, and I am. Yes. I'm still his brother. Oh, is that what he said? We supposed to be LSU brothers? Man, we supposed to be brothers. You out here calling me trash. Michelle, I'm not going to tell you what he said, but I probably understand why he's mad. So here's what we know. We know Ben Simmons DM'd Shaq after seeing him on TV. We know Ben Simmons was mad. We know Shaq came back and said, you're leaving your brother out there. You need to play. So I can deduce in within that what Ben said to you was either I'm not, it's not my fault and you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, exactly like that. I realized this after I left L.A. I don't believe I've been my whole career fighting for a useless title. Shaq, you the man. Shaq, this your team. But in reality, what the f*** is all that mean? Don't mean right. nothing. Right. Don't mean nothing. I could have won eight, nine championships with, with that man instead of we both arguing about who team it is. And I talked to them. I had to go speak for Philadelphia. And I told them, I said, don't fight over useless titles. Mm-hmm. Fight for each other. Because when it's all said and done, you don't want to be back saying to yourself, I wish I could have. It's so much Elon Bezos out here for everybody. You know what that <laughs> means, right? Yes. So I, I can't take it all. So I'm going to get my piece. Spice, you get your piece and share it. Like, just take it. But yeah. don't give it away by being, oh, it's Joel's fault. I don't want to play. It's coaching for. I don't want to play. Listen, he yeah. went to LSU. I care about him. I want to see him succeed. I want to see all these young brothers succeed. Does he have your number? Nah. Did you okay. give it to him? No, because there ain't nothing to talk about. There you have it. Some pretty uh, good stuff from Shaquille O'Neal. He's been there. He's done that. He played with Kobe. He knows. He knows w- w- what's going on here. And, and like this, just proves. This is why I don't want this man in Brooklyn. He can't handle Philadelphia. You're going to handle the New York market, the New York media. Look what is happening with Julius Randle after one all-star season. He's crumbling, won't talk to the media, unfollows the Knicks on Instagram. I don't want that headache. I don't want it. He's worried about meaningless things. They were a triple or, or whatever, triple doink away from going to the NBA Finals a few years. Remember when Kawhi hit that fadeaway jumper to send them to the Finals? And that could have been them winning the Finals. And if they would have won, everything would have been good. It would have been good in Philly, but now it's not. And now this man refuses to play. And I swear to God, I hope he is somewhere in a gym working on that jump shot. Because, my goodness, 
he can't play in this league if he's going to pout and get angry when people talk that he can't shoot. So anyway, uh, we had an NBA trade earlier today, five-player trade. Clippers are trading Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and future second-round pick to the Blazers for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Um, that second-round pick will be a 2025 pick via the Detroit Pistons. So that was the big trade thus far today. I saw that Trailblazers fans were not happy that they made this deal, um, but uh, we'll see what it com what comes of this. Clippers kind of looking like a nice team now if they could get Paul George back, who I heard is going to be reevaluated in like three weeks. Still don't know about Kawhi coming back yet, but interesting. They've been uh, hot of late winning some crazy uh, road games that no one expected. Um, NBA All-Star Reserves have been announced, and I'm not going to name them all, but just a couple of snubs that we have to talk about would be LaMelo, Ball, DeJounte uh, Murray, and Jalen Brown, just to name a few. And it's a little surprising that um, Jimmy Butler made it, some other guys. Um, tough, tough, tough. But yeah, LaMelo Ball having a great season, averaging 19-7-7, and, and he did not make the All-Star team. Um, wow. So anyway... And last but not least, our boy Mattress Mac is at it again, this time betting a whopping $4.5 million on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I think that's the single highest uh, sports bet um, ever, a single wager. This is how we did it. So he can't bet in Louisiana, so he had to drive over the border to um, Texas, just like I've done a few times to bet on Rutgers, drive right over to PA. And he did this on the Caesar Sportsbook app. He, I guess, parked somewhere. And you know what? You know what my man Mattress Mac did? The max bet you can place on your phone is $20,000. So if you do the math, that means Mattress Mac sat there and placed $225,000 bets on his phone. God knows how long that took. God knows. And I hope he had a good signal to let to get those uh, those bets through. But unbelievable, he's he, he, he's pulling for for them Bengals, and you know what that means. With his luck, the Rams are probably going to win. Okay, finally on this date in sports, February fourth, two thousand and seven, Peyton Manning throws for two hundred forty seven yards and a touchdown against the Bears and wins his first Super Bowl. And Funny enough, that Super Bowl, both head coaches were, in fact, black. Um, you had Lovey Smith on one side for the Bears and Tony Dungy on the other side for the Indianapolis Colts. So cool little nugget there. I think that was the first Super Bowl to feature two head coaches that were black. Um, might have been the first. Tony Dungy might have been the first black head coach to win a Super Bowl, too, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, that's going to wrap things up, guys. I have an early morning. Um, I've got to get an oil change early at like 9.15, drop my car off, then head to some softball practice, and uh, then uh, come back home, hopefully relax, watch some sports, and, and just enjoy Enjoy this weekend. Um, hopefully, the weather's not too bad. Um, stay safe. Hopefully, nobody loses their power. And that's it. That's all I've got. Until next week, everybody, this is the Pody signing out.